0: Coming up on this week's podcast. What attitude is it that we are to have as we begin to look toward walking out our Christian walk? And that attitude is to follow God in such a way that the difference between our old life and the new life is uh, on the same order as the difference between death and life again. Stay tuned for more.
1: And welcome to another New Hope Chapel podcast. Located in Arnold, Maryland, New Hope Chapel is a vibrant church committed to biblically-based teaching, often focusing on discovering the Jewish roots of the faith. You can find out more about our church at newhopechapel.org. Now, here's Carl Nebbia with today's message.
0: This morning I'm going to start off uh, kind of uh, summarizing where we've been. I know a lot of you uh, have been uh, here some weeks and gone other weeks. So I'm going to start off by summarizing what we've been teaching out of First Peter. I'm really grateful to Steve and Julie and Justin uh, as they have been ministering over the last few weeks. And I want to start, uh, or Steve started us in... 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, calling our attention to the living hope that we have. That was not a hope without reason, not a hope without certainty. There's not a lot of hope, as he described, like putting your faith in the Orioles. It doesn't, it's not like that kind of hope. But it's a hope uh, that has a confident, justifiable certainty born of the factual resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Remember, Peter was there. Uh, he didn't spend the rest of his life testifying to something he knew was a lie. But he, with reason, traveled throughout these various areas that we've been talking about. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, so on. He's ministering to people because he knew, in fact, that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And in that grew, or from that grew, this living hope uh, this uh, hope for a salvation, uh, that in that Peter then endured uh, trials. And he talked about how we should endure trials, that that refines our faith like gold. But he also mentioned at the end that the prophets spoke, that they searched the scriptures trying to determine the time and the circumstances of the suffering and the glory uh, of the Messiah. But they knew that they did it ultimately for other people. Uh, they did it for those, once again, that Peter is speaking to and for us. These were people who had never seen Jesus in the way that Peter had seen Jesus. and uh, uh, But those prophets had looked forward to that time. Then Julie told us, as she went on, uh, to prepare our minds for action, to be self-controlled, To set our hope fully on the grace, it's not a matter of just a uh, a, a conclusion, a decision that works within our own power, but something that's always focused on that grace, not on our strength. But it also tells us not to be conformed to evil desires, to but be holy and love one another deeply because we have been redeemed by the precious blood uh, of Jesus. Then in chapter 2, Justin went on told us to rid ourselves of envy and slander since we've tasted that the Lord is good. He also spoke about the fact that Jesus was in fact this living stone, the living cornerstone, uh, and that um, we ourselves would become living stones fit together, that we would be a royal priesthood and a holy nation belonging to God. We then went on in the rest of chapters 2 and 3, Julie covered uh, issues regarding how we uh, conduct ourselves towards secular authorities, slaves toward masters, wives to husbands and husbands to wives. But through it all, it was clear that the purpose was to live a life that would serve as a witness of the following of the living God that it would serve as a witness even to those who didn't believe, to the secular authorities, to the slave owners, even to husbands and wives ministering to one another. And you know, even today, we are concerned about the impact of people who make religious decisions that we don't understand. And certainly in this day, in this place, when the way came along... People simply did not know what to make of these life changes. They didn't know what to make of what did God really want, which is what these people were talking about. They had their own way, their own history, their own customs that they had walked in uh, for a long, long time, and they really didn't know what to. Uh, the people themselves who became believers didn't necessarily know what to expect of the new life that they were given. So in these scriptures, we find teaching about how how to live. These people had not heard Jesus' teaching, so they weren't clear on all the maybe subtleties of Jesus' manner, uh, which took us away from the hard and fast following of a law towards something that was built in our hearts, built in our minds, and carried us forward in a way uh, that we would live. So many of these people, when they became new believers or uh, the folks who were in the area where these people uh, were living, probably thought to themselves, uh, well, what, what is this new life all about? And those who had just become believers might even say, okay, what's the new set of rules I need to follow? But in fact, there's much in here telling us, encouraging us uh, to move our lives in a certain direction, not based on a set of religious practices about following uh, following the will of God. You know, not looking to the law, but in fact following him. Then Justin spoke again uh, last week, and he focused our attention on 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So all the the scriptures in here that tell us how to live, what to do, and so on, in some cases appearing to put us somewhat at enmity with the world around us, he still tells us to do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, sharing this reason for the hope that we have. Once again, we see this emphasis on people being ready to give of themselves, sharing their faith, but based on love, and good behavior, essentially walking after God, well, a life of respect and so on. And the people around them then had to kind of, uh, you know, shift gears. They didn't quite understand what, uh, you know, what was going on. Now, Justin then went on, and he said that uh, he talked about uh, Christ's suffering in his body. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Uh, that today and how he was raised in the spirit and it says that he bore our sins in his body and that we are to die to sin and live to righteousness. He also made a hearty uh, effort to describe what it meant in the scripture about um, uh, Jesus preaching to those uh, who were in prison and uh, used some interesting references uh, for that Uh, but once again, it gets to this idea that our calling is in fact to reach out uh, with these truths and uh, to, to share them with those around us. Now, uh, I really appreciate how different our kind of teaching styles are. I mean, Steve, when Steve teaches, he tells it to you straight. You know, he's always ready and he's always willing and I appreciate that. If I had called him this morning and said, Steve, I'm really feeling nervous. Could you, could you fit in, fill in this morning? I'm sure he would have done it. Because that's who Steve is. And I really uh, appreciate that about him. Julie, on the other hand, brings to us, she combines this understanding of Greek and Hebrew with an honesty and a joy uh, in personal experience. So for good or for bad, we do get to hear a little bit about their children. and uh, uh, But Julie brings this wealth of, of experience and just, you know, so much uh, you know, joy and honesty. Justin, on the other hand, uh, speaks to us clearly as a shepherd. Uh, and he searches and studies passionately, uh, always seeking to find out what the truth is, the true intent of the scripture. Uh, through words and cultural understanding. Uh, and last week, for instance, he told us about the parallels of the scripture in 1 Peter uh, with those uh, in the epistle to the Ephesians. And then he discussed the Greek words that link to the, the, the concept of the rock, you know, which, of course, Peter was named that. And he noted the city of Petra, uh, that name, in fact, coming from uh, a word for the rock, a rock. So uh, I, on the other hand, am a little bit different. I always find myself really pressed for time uh, to set aside for all the studying. I am not a Greek uh, or Hebrew scholar. Uh, I'm not sure I'm an English scholar, uh, but I've been growing, having lived with English teachers and stuff most of my my life. Um, So what I try to do generally is add in Uh, some pictures and stuff to add a little bit of meaning and authenticity uh, to what I do. So I'm going to start off today. Let me see if we're going to work here. We're not going to work. No? Do I need to push this button first? Hmm? Mm -hmm. First, can we just go to the next? Okay. You want to give this a try? I did, I did put the batteries back in, but the back is loose. So, so this is a picture of the, the, uh, of the city of Ephesus. Oh, back, back. Did you jump? Okay. Back, back, back. Yep, good. Okay, we're going to try it again? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I must have pushed the wrong button. It's or... behaving. Okay, do I need the cover? No. no. Okay, good. Okay, sorry for the mix up. Uh, So this is Ephesus. This is actually uh, called the Library of Celsus. And uh, somehow I lost the rest of the word Ephesus, but so much for uh, electronics. Uh, So, oops, am I going the wrong way? Oh, there's my problem. I was going the wrong direction. Okay, and as you look down the main street of Ephesus, there is the Library of Celsus and a very handsome character sitting on the right uh, in a classic Where's Waldo uh, thing. And uh, uh, so had a little bit more hair then. Uh, So this is the Library of of Celsus. So everybody knows, here's a little bit of authenticity. This is what Ephesus really looks like, uh, regardless of what you think you may have read in the scripture. And then Justin also talked about the city of Petra And the city of Petra was kind of a way station between Babylon and uh, Egypt. So it was a hub uh, of commerce, a hub of culture. And just like, let me just step back here. Just like you see here in Ephesus, there's a lot of influence of uh, the culture of the Greeks and Romans. Uh, We also have that uh, in Petra, because all these cultures were kind of passing through there. Uh, And it wasn't uh, Petra, the city of Petra was actually lost for probably 1,500 years or more, until 18, I think it was 12, a Swiss explorer uh, rediscovered the city of Petra and the Bedouin people who were kind of living there. And uh, this was captured in the Indiana Jones movie. And as you see, once again, the Greek and Roman influences, once again, a classic uh, uh, actor there in the middle and uh, displaying the authenticity and showing with the red hat, with the P on it, a true certainty and hope, uh, in baseball terms anyway, uh, for the Phillies, <laughs> not the Orioles. Uh, but anyway, so this is, uh, this is what Petra looks like. Once again, tremendous uh, Greek and Roman influences. Uh, and we know that those people, as Justin uh, explained last week, uh, were not particularly a, uh, a good people. I mean, they had many perversities in their, uh, in their lives. Uh, but they were certainly an intelligent and encultured people. Uh, but uh, anyway, so we've been talking in, about the people that Peter was speaking to, and here's a picture instead of Cappadocia, which is one of the pictures. Okay, Cappadocia uh, is in Turkey, in kind of the mid to northern parts of Turkey, and it is a land actually cut out of volcanic uh, rock. So as volcanoes at some point in history were spewing out there, Uh, their their lava and it hardened. It hardened into these shapes and the people who moved in there essentially carved their houses, carved their homes out of this volcanic uh, rock. Uh, Here's even a better look at the traditional components of Uh, Cappadocia. Once again, it looks more like a moonscape. Excuse me if I'll get out of the way here. Looks more like a moonscape, something not in uh, Harrison Ford's uh, Indiana Jones series, but more like, uh, you know, Han Solo in uh, uh, the Star Wars era. And uh, so this is a a people used to rough living. They were not uh, probably a cultured people as the Greeks and Romans were. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Peter talks about them. Uh, uh, he talks about their nature by, by saying that they lived in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousings, and detestable idolatry. These were rough people. Okay? Remember, uh, the people worshipped animals. They worshipped baked bread. Uh, they worshipped stones that they had carved and pieces of wood. And they sacrificed children. So this was a rough uh, area to go into. And uh, so as I, as I begin to move forward on this, uh, I want to note that Justin started speaking last week, uh, or spoke last week, and he said that his piece had two sections. Mine is very much uh, like that. And in uh, 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ died uh, for sins once for all, The righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So uh, in Jesus' suffering that we see, he was put to death in his body, made alive in the spirit. But then it goes on in 1 Peter 4, and it starts off with something that kind of lines up, sort of, uh, and refers to that same portion. It says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Once again, he was put to death in the body. Arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil desires, but rather for the will of God. So this is a little bit, this is a little bit difficult here, because we see that Christ was put to death in his body, but then he was made alive in the spirit, And then it says we are to arm ourselves. Once again, that's another one of those active terms uh, we've had throughout this portion of the Scripture, uh, that we are to take some action. Once again, it's not taking an action that relies on our strength, but it takes uh, an action that's driven toward uh, the Lord himself. So arm yourselves with the same attitude. So it's important we understand what, what is that attitude. And then it goes on, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin, and as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. So who is, who is the he? Any guesses? The one, the one who suffered in his body, that's true. Anything more specific? That's right. Okay, this is actually, this is more or less a universal he, because it, first of all, it's pulling from the statement that Jesus suffered, and then it's including us. Because as you go on here, the rest of this really does not pertain to Jesus himself, because he didn't suffer uh, in his earthly body uh, that he would then live the rest of his earthly life e- fr- you know, free from evil desires, okay? That's not him. That's us. Okay, so, but we're mixing this picture here. Jesus died. He was raised and uh, uh, in the spirit. We're to have the same attitude. So does that mean we're supposed to die and rise in the same spirit? Well, it's actually telling us That our lives are to become as different from our old life as Jesus' new life, risen in the Spirit, was from his bodily life. That from death to being risen and alive again. And that, that is the significance, the depth of the change that God desires for us in our lives the distinction between death and new life and for us, putting to death the old way and living, once again, a new life. Now, it says in uh, Romans, I'm going to go to Romans 6, and if you'd like to go there with me, that's, that's fine. It says in verse uh, 2, we died to sin, how can we live any, in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Remember, uh, Justin also read this uh, scripture last week, and we talked about it during our baptism. That in fact uh, we're not saved by baptism, but in fact we're saved by the resurrection. As we as we are baptized, we are saved by His resurrection. Once again, that's where our living hope comes from. So all this is kind of tied together once again into one of these uh, great symphonies of God. And it continues, um, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, uh, excuse me, that in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Once again, the death and the resurrection, that's what we're linking to our lives. Uh, Once again, uh, dying with him, being buried in baptism, raised again uh, uh, to new life. So that the body of sin might be done away with and we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died for sin, died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. So once again, back to 1 Peter when we look at ourselves and we take on that same attitude, as Jesus was dead and he rose again, we are to count ourselves dead to that fleshly life. But alive to God in Christ Jesus, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Remember our hope uh, is in his grace. Now, uh, Peter then goes on and says, of course, referring to uh, the people who uh, uh, lived in that area, he says, first of all, in verse 3 of 1 Peter, it says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Let me... says for you have spent enough time living in the past doing what pagans choose to do living in and then he describes the list of activities of the people uh, that were in that area now then he says that they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissip- uh, dissipation and they heap abuse on you now peter's not messing around here with his description of these people He knows where they come from. He knows their history. And as he's speaking to these believers, he knows that this is their history. So he's speaking very direct to them. When I was young, uh, my family was very careful about the words that they used. Uh, My father, from time to time, would use the D word. uh, And once in a while, would use the word spit when he was actually angry. He wouldn't spit. He would just use the word spit. So I was, I was raised in kind of environment where people were careful uh, about what they said. And when I went off to junior high school and to high school, uh, I heard a whole set of new words, a new terminology. And it wasn't in my English class because I know I was not paying attention uh, in my English class. So I heard all these new words. And being a youngster, I began to experiment with this terminology little by little, trying each word on for size, until I finally became a fairly expert you know, user of the terms, inflicting their max impact uh, whenever I chose to use them. The weird thing was I had to keep my life separate. So there was my in-school life, and there was when I got home life, because I really couldn't mix the terminology uh, at home. It would not be well-received Uh, by my family. So I began to lead this double life. And then I went off to the Naval Academy. And I was trained by some of the best, Um, salty sailors and marines, uh, no stronger language than anybody else I know. And uh, I became a complete expert Uh, to the point where you actually needed a filter to be able to understand what I was saying, to be able to filter out the words in between the words so you can actually put a sentence together. It's sort of like uh, today, young people often use the word like in between each word, and that if you're always hearing the word like, you can't understand anything they're saying. Well. My my salty language so infiltrated my sentences, you really needed to be able to kind of sort through those words in order to get to what I was actually saying. And people from time to time used to laugh at me because uh, it was so bad. And then when I went home, it became really hard to keep it all separate. My brother chewed me out one time for using it where he said, you were out to Christmas shopping, he said, you better not use that word at home. And I thought, well, I'm not even sure I know what that word means. But anyway, then all of a sudden, Jesus came into my life uh, as a a second-year midshipman and completely changed everything. In one fell swoop, my language was completely revolutionized. To use words like fellowship and share and, you know, praise the Lord and all these types of things... All of those words instantly departed. And I'll tell you, the folks around me thought it strange. They thought, what, what in the world has happened to this person that even his language has changed from one day to another? And I, I really, I can't take any credit for it. Somehow, miraculously, in one day, God changed my whole way of talking. Uh, he changed the way of life of many of the midshipmen that I was with, and man, they thought it strange. They really thought it strange, and they uh, they you know, certainly made fun of us. They uh, uh, they harassed us about what we were doing, and even my family, my family thought it also very odd uh, that I had changed. And partly it was because they had heard about Moonies, they had heard about Hare Krishna and they weren't quite sure how was this different because they, they, you know, they were worried. Was I going to shave my hair? Was I going to wear the same clothes as everybody that was around me? Was I going to have somebody directing where I was going to live and what I was going to do? And for some reason, they were okay with the Marine Corps, but they weren't okay with the idea that God was in charge of my life. So I did shave my head. I did go off wearing stuff like everybody else is wearing. But that was okay with them. But the idea that I had become a Christian and somehow my life had changed was very, very upsetting to them. And I think we have to recognize that the reason they think it's so strange, the reason they're offended, is that whether you intend to do it or not, your decision to walk in a different direction makes them uncomfortable. It makes them feel like you have in some way rejected their way of life, and in fact rejected them. But this is what the Lord calls us to. He calls us to a place where our lives are so changed as that our new life compared to the old life is as far as the resurrection was from the death of Christ. That that's how different The change should be in our lives. That that would be a striking thing to those around us, and that they would begin to say, okay, why, you know, why has that happened? So that is the I think the essential point of this particular first half of this scripture. Now I'm going to transition. Justin said last week I had to have a transition since I have different the scripture is a little bit different. Uh, this has no spiritual significance, uh, but, uh, but I wanted to point out that is not photoshopped in there. That is that same Where's Waldo uh, person there in the, begin- in the front there. So we're going to go on uh, to the rest of this piece of First Peter. Uh, we're going to move on to, there we go, verses 7 through 11. And once again, there is a significant change here, but keep in mind, so again, we are called to a life that is so different from our past life as to be similar to Jesus' death and resurrection. And then it gives us one of the other things this scripture does. As you look through 1 Peter, you see this cycle of activity. You see he expresses something beautiful about God. He gives us some specific direction as the things that we should do with our lives, turning from our old ways and so on. Uh, Ultimately, it's always reached back to uh, reaching out to others, uh, and portions of it, of course, are how that we are uh, to live in terms of relating to one another, because as I said earlier, the people who became believers in these outposts of humanity, they didn't know much about how they were supposed to live, so Peter is giving them uh, some instruction about how to do that, and uh, in this particular part, he starts out, it's, it's very, uh, let me go back to 1 Peter, excuse me. It says, the end of all things is near. That's where he, that's where he starts this. Uh, that comes in right before uh, the, the top verse. The end of all things is near. Now, Paul, Peter may have been thinking about, you know, March or May 21st, 66. I don't know exactly what he thought. He may have... Made a math miscalculation, switched to DC, uh, AC or AD and the BC. Uh, may have been a millennium off or two, but anyway, he did feel that the end was near. But the key point, as we think of that, is that the motivation we should have when we think of the end coming is not to go sell our stocks, it's not to come out and you know, work out some special deal uh, to find what spaceship to get on. Okay, the, the motivation there should be to live for the will of God, okay? to live for what God wants us to do. Once again, separating our new lives from our old lives as far as the resurrection was uh, from the death. So it goes through a series of steps here that I think are beautiful. They help us to, to understand and to live uh, with one another, But once again, it tells us to be clear-minded and self-controlled. Other portions had already talked about this concept of self-control. But in each of these scriptures, it offers like a two-sided piece of thought. Uh, First, be clear-minded and self-controlled, but why? It allows us and it enables us to be able to pray. Now, there was another scripture along the way in there that talked about our prayers not being hindered. Remember, that was the command to how husbands should treat their wives. Okay, once again, there's a command here to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that we can, in fact, pray. Then it goes, above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, we are in a community here. We have relationships with one another, and it's, it's important that we recognize that God wants us to love one another. Uh, We have to uh, work with one another. We minister together. We share things together. We provide the food at the fellowship dinners together. We do so many things that God's called us together for. It's not just Sunday mornings, but there's a whole life that we're called to live together. And recognizing that is there are going to be issues among us. It's just inevitable. Uh, There's going to be issues among us, differences that we have. But in fact, we need to love each other deeply. Uh, That's what enables us to walk through those issues, Uh, even as it says that love covers a multitude of sins. I believe that enables us to deal with those sins, not just to ignore them, but to actually deal with them. Uh, He then tells us to offer hospitality to one another, but then the kicker here is, of course, we have to do it without grumbling. Okay? That's the hard part. Okay? Offering the hospitality, that's the beginning part, that's how you start. The without grumbling is how you end. Okay? Which, do you get through the offering of hospitality? Now, once again, uh, I think in this time there were lots of people traveling. Pe- Peter was probably speaking specifically to Christians who were, uh, you know, for, to make a way for Christians to be received who were coming through. Uh, but I think in general, it still is a, a, you know, an, an, a right uh, encouragement to us to be hospitable uh, to one another uh, and without grumbling. And the last part, which we've been talking about some, uh, certainly out of the, the Romans study that we did, about using our gifts, uh, once again, uh, that we've received faithfully administering God's grace. Remember, the grace is part of this, our hope Uh, is looking toward that grace in its various forms. So all of us, as God has given us these abilities and gifts, we're called and directed by Peter to use them uh, in the way that God called us to do. Once again, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus. If we will do these things, if we will step out and say, Lord, you've equipped me to do this, I'm going to step out and I'm going to use it. Man, it's hard to step up and say, I'm going to speak. Uh, I'm going to speak the very words of God. Hmm, that's that's not easy. Uh, But that's what he wants. If God has anointed you to do that, that's how he wants you to speak. Not hesitating, not shying from it, but stepping up and doing it. If you're serving, he wants you to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. Once again, and in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So how is that happening? If the Cappadocians, if the Galatians, if all the churches of the world walk this out, I believe across the world it will result in praise to God and not just coming from among us because once again, the purpose is to, once again, the purpose of it is to share that glory, that wonder, that wonderful thing that God has done having died and risen again for us, and ultimately to him be the uh, glory and power forever and ever. So once again, as we look at 1 Peter, we're going to go on with, I think, a couple more portions over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but from this scripture, remember, what attitude is it that we are to have as we begin to look toward walking out our Christian walk? And that attitude is to follow God in such a way that the difference between our old life and the new life is uh, on the same order as the difference between death and life again. And in doing that, love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. Now I'm going to finish today with one last scripture. I'm going to go over to Colossians. uh, And this is Colossians 1. Uh, verse twenty-seven: To them God has chosen to make known. This is he's talking about uh, uh, people in the in the church. To God has cho- uh, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So He has chosen through us to make that glory manifest. The reason that Peter's telling people to uh, live husbands to wives, wives to husbands, slaves to their masters, people among their friends, live wholly committed to the Lord, is that we, in fact, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And that's what they will see in the end as we leave those lives for him.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. New Hope Chapel is a vibrant ministry in Arnold, Maryland. We are a Christ-centered church with biblically-based teaching focused on the Jewish roots of the faith and committed to helping each person discover and use their spiritual gifts. If you're in the area, we would love for you to come and visit. You can find out more information about our church at newhopechapel.org. Subscribe to the New Hope Chapel podcast on iTunes And you'll get the next podcast in your sleep.